0: My name is Brent Heishman. Um, You are in uh, the class, the urgency of making disciples, and I pastor in a great church in Marion, Ohio, just a few miles north of here. Um, Been there now a little bit over two years, and just thank the Lord for the opportunity to to serve the Bride of Christ and um, to make disciples and develop leaders. That that is my heart. for the last 10-15 years um, at the preceding church through uh, uh, a church leadership cohort and then a master's degree in, in church life and um, leadership development and disciple making. Uh, I've spent a lot of time pouring over the, the subject that we're gonna go over today and I just I just believe that Jesus loves his bride. He loves you very much. Um, and he has placed a tremendous responsibility in our hands. Quite frankly, I would not put it in your hands. Um, I would put it in your hands before I put it in my hands. But I wouldn't have put it in any of our hands. But, but the Lord says that we are to make disciples of all nations. And he is comfortable somehow, um, that side of heaven, to let us carry out that assignment um, and at least in my lifetime, he hasn't sped up the second coming and took it over yet. So um, he still um, made that commitment and, and still has the confidence in his bride that we're going to be able to accomplish um, the plans of God. So that that's encouraging. How many of you were in the class last hour that I taught? Any anybody? Okay, just just Ron. Okay. Is that right? Is it Ron? Yeah. Okay. Now it's like, I think I called his name when he came in, but then yeah. his, his name tag was curled to the side and <laughs> I was making sure I got his name right. Good. So th- this is what I'm going to do because I'm engaging two different things. You're here because the, the title of the class is uh, The Urgency of Making Disciples. So I'm going to honor that in the first half, but I also, I think I'm going to share some things that I shared in the last class about not only the why, but the how, um, because some of you may w- like to walk out of here with some with some how instead of just some why. So it's been my observation that in the Ohio Ministry Network that um, in the last four or five years, the urgency of discipleship making is is increasing. People weren't... Uh, So just um, concerned about it um, years ago. But I think now we're at a place where it isn't a matter of um, getting people to realize their need um, to have some kind of a disciple making process in their own life, in their church. Um, But um, it's probably more so now. How do we do that? And it's a train wreck be honest with you this is it's it's a train wreck because we produce um, people um, that that we can kind of imitate the assemblies have got to have a lot of preachers and we watch preachers and so there are a lot of people that can preach and teach in the assemblies one of the The strongest areas in in the assemblies, which isn't the case in every denomination, is we usually have, as we evaluate the strength of of the the preaching, teaching ministry in churches uh, in our state, it's usually one of the strongest places because um, we do it a lot. It's modeled. Everybody sees it. um, And sometimes, in a nutshell, that's what everybody thinks ministry is. It's just that Sunday morning, 35 minute to an hour and six minutes or whatever, however long you preach. Um, it's just that, that that's what church is. That's what being a pastor is. That's what being a preacher is. Um, but um, we don't have a lot of people who we can look at um, that that are great gatherers, soul winners, disciple makers. I would love to be able to flood my church with a half a dozen evangelists and disciple makers so that my people could see how it's done we talked about it a lot we put them under condemnation and conviction a lot um, but haven't given them a whole lot of practical observations so we have a lot of great teachers in in our movement we just don't have a lot of great soul-winning people and a lot of great um, disciple makers so hopefully you're the generation, you're the group, you're the people that's going to change that. Um, they're going to look back to you and say, thank God for those people in um, the early 2020s that got that vision and, and turned that around. And, um, because I believe that disciple-making solves so many problems in so many areas. Um, you, you, you won't have quite nearly the volunteer crisis that most churches have, if you have uh, ongoing disciple-making process, because um, you'll you'll have you'll have volunteers if we're making disciples. So let me get started. Um, your your handout begins that first page, I believe, is is pretty much passages of scripture. But I do want to set the the biblical urgency um, and. The why is important, especially when you're trying to convince people who don't value something. Um, so, how do I how do I convince people who who don't value something? The only thing I have as as a follower of Jesus is that if this is the heart of Jesus, it better be the heart of my, me, you and me. And so, I always go to what's if there's not urgency about something, what's the, what's the urgency of the Spirit? What is, what's Jesus' heart is? And so, so as we read uh, Matthew 28:18 and 20, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the last words that are recorded in the book of Matthew. And Jesus, on, just before he ascends into heaven, he says, look guys, one more thing. You're to make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'll be with you through the process. So those are parting words. It is, it's, it's a critical urgency of the heart of God. We know the great commandment. It's recorded in, in several different gospels, different ways. But in Mark, it's my favorite version because Mark adds the fourth way that we love the Lord with all of our heart soul mind and strength what what are we doing when we're making disciples we're teaching people to love God with all of their heart with all their soul with all their mind with all their strength listen jesus said this is this is the law and the prophets hang on this this is eternal life this is so critically important and love your neighbor as yourself learn to respect the image of god stamped on every single human being and recognize that the prince of heaven left heaven to redeem and rescue and transform people who have for all practical purposes from our eyes have smeared the image of God so much that we can't hardly see it anymore. But Jesus still comes. Jesus, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for the ungodly. So there's something that Jesus sees in people that many times we don't see. He sees the handiwork of heaven. He sees his father's handprints on them. He sees the DNA of God in their lives. And and he has not given up. That means we can't give up. If God hasn't given up, we can't give up. I don't care how bad 2020 has been or how difficult 2021 might be. We cannot give up on what Jesus believes, what the father believes, is a worthwhile endeavor that you can give your life to redeeming and transforming people to help them to be the best Jesus they can be. Amen. Ephesians 4:11 through 16 another critical passage of scripture. When I when I pastor a church, I want the leadership team, I want the people to know that I have a job description and it's not necessarily from them first. It's from the word of God. My job isn't to come and do everything for you. My job is recorded in Ephesians 4:11 through 16 so Christ himself Gave The apostles. The prophets. The evangelists. The pastors and teachers. To equip his people for works of service. All all of us in this room. We may not be in a full time ministry position. But all of you. God's given you gifts. And I'll guarantee you. I could find in the next 20 minutes. From all of you. That each of you have some apostolic gifts. Some prophetic gifts. Some gifts of evangelism. Some gifts of of teaching and disciple making. um, Some gifts probably some of you are better pastors in the, in the specific sense of caring for the church than I am because that's the gifting you have. So I'm not just looking at people. I, I know that the body of Christ in this room is full of people who have... You may not see yourself as an apostle, but you have apostolic ministry gifts and roles and, and on and on. And, and all of us together... My job as a lead pastor certainly is to facilitate this operation led by heaven to help equip you to be the best you can be. To equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. What are we building up to? He was going to tell us that. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And I love this last point. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Say that with me. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So when are you done? When are you done being redeemed and transformed? When you attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You look in the mirror and, and, and God just says, angels, go get him because he's as much like Jesus as he's ever going to be. As she's ever going to be. My, my great mission in life is to be like Jesus. It's just that simple. I want to be like Jesus. I don't, when it comes to being a leader, I want to lead like Jesus. When it comes to winning people to Christ, I want to win people to Christ like Jesus. Certainly, Paul was a great evangelist. We've got some great soul winners in this room, I'm sure. And no disrespect, but I think all of us are not really concerned about measuring up to another person. We want the ultimate measure. We want to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can. So, that's not just my job. That's your job. You have to join with me. We have to join the Ohio Ministry Network. The Church of Ohio has to join together in this process of helping people become the best Jesus they can possibly be. So, that's why we're here. Am I setting an urgency for you? I hope so. (laughs) John 14. You can read the rest of those. Uh, verses in Ephesians on your own but John 14 says very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is some heady stuff guys. Jesus isn't like us. Jesus goes to the Father, look, they're doing things I didn't do when I was on earth. Do greater things than these. And he's celebrating that. That we would would understand the love and the character and the power of God so much that we would ask radical things of God. That we would would believe that God can really do anything. And we would would reach, reach for heaven in that. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says... You can ask me for anything and I'll deliver it. And you're going to do greater things than these. Wow. Praise God. I'm just, you know what? Right now, I'm just trying to catch up with the Old Testament. If I could just do what Moses did. <laughs> if I could just do what some of the Old Testament saints could do. You talk about what should a disciple do? Go through the Bible and anything you see a believer do, that's what you should be. You should be Jesus, am I supposed to do that? There's a lot, of, a lot of places to grow in. There's a lot of things we, we can do. So I, I don't think that there's a scarcity of opportunities to grow. All we have to do is look at the Scripture, and we're going to be overwhelmed by just what we haven't done yet, let alone what we just read in John is that even greater things. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18 really is my life verse. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This work of disciple making can't be done without a dependence on the Holy Spirit and a relationship with Christ. But it's simply done by a dependence on the Holy Spirit and a relationship with Jesus. Why do, we, why do we teach people to worship? Because they're transformed in the image of God. It's in that process. When we, when we appreciate who he is and we gaze into his face, I don't have to work on anything. He just, there's, he's contagious, worse than COVID. I mean, I get around him, and he's he's gonna he's going to get inside of me. He's going to get all over me. He's going to transform me. And so, if that's his heart, we just heard his heart. He's placed his heart in our hands, as a, as the church, to carry this out. What's it look like? Um, what's it look like for all of us, not only to be transformed, but to be a part of a process of helping others be transformed, and teaching them to help others be transformed. That's discipleship. Discipleship isn't just being changed. It's being changed. It's helping others change and investing in others so that they can still help others change. Disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. disciples. And um, I want to jump to the um, top of the next page. So, as a pastor in the Ohio Ministry Network, um, part of the Ohio for Jesus process was to look at um, where we're at with church health, with leadership to look at where we're at with missions to look at where we're at with church multiplication and church planting and to ask God together as a, as a church what is God asking us to do what's our part the state has a, a role to play but I'm, I'm the state listen um, you are the assemblies of God don't ever point at the network office and go, well, they're, they're, the, they're the network office. They're the, they're the assemblies of God. No, we are. We're the church. We're the people. And, and so it isn't an organization that gets it done. It's people that get it done. It's pastors. It's believers. It's the people in this room that get it done. So we, we ask God, what, what's it look like in our local expression of the body of Christ to see, and we'll talk about disciples right now because that's where we're at. What, God, what do you want to do? And God threw this number at me. And I'll be very honest, I was ashamed to be able to share it with my leadership team. Not because it was too small, because um, at least I thought it was huge. So I presented to the leadership team, you know, I, I just believe that I think God's saying we can make a thousand disciples in 10 years. And the church has never run a thousand. That's stupid. I mean, they looked at me like, yeah, yo, great, Pastor. Love your faith. And I, and I and I knew what I knew what they were going to say. I knew what I was going to get. And I and I'm not a. I don't want to just say, "Hey, we're going to do this," and then fall miserably short. But I wrestled with that, and we wrestled with it as a team. And God, God in prayer, God really spoke to me because I. This has got to be God's goal, right? This got what God wants to do. So. He told me. He says, "You think this is great faith." This is just you being a little bit obedient. And and I had seen this. Many of you seen this um, number thing here that's on the page. And, um, and he brought my attention back to it. He said, Brent, if you're the only one in 2021, if you're the only one that will buy into the vision, the rest of the church says, ah, you're crazy. But if you will make one disciple, just one disciple, disciple maker in one year in 2021 and teach them to make disciple makers look at look at what happens in 2022 uh, there's four 2023 there's eight 2024 there's 16 2025 there's 32 at the end of 2030 we're at over a thousand with me just making a commitment I've only made one a year I didn't make a thousand I made one a year, but what I did was I invested in all of you, and you all are helping me now. So you know, it's the pyramid thing. I get that. It's Shackley, and I don't, how are you old enough to remember Shackley? anybody anybody ever sell it? <laughs> um, but but you know, it, it's it is, but it's God's it's God's pyramid. It's what the truth is. If we would just do. A little bit, we could transform Ohio. So this isn't, this isn't a, a great faith. This is just us stepping up and being obedient. Okay. So again, a big part of this class today is, is setting the urgency, getting you hooked in, right? Getting you to feel the weight of heaven behind this and the importance of it. Because when you, when you are helping people Come on board to be a part of this discipleship process. Whoever God leads you to to involve, you're going to have to be really good at telling them why. Um, it's it's how you it's how you see people come to Jesus. Why why in the world should I go to church and do what you do? We we've got to get we've got to get our heart aligned with the with, with the Master's heart and be able to share Jesus's heart. If they reject Jesus's heart, that's okay. Because I'm not selling me. I'm not selling a program. I'm not selling the assemblies of God. I am selling his heart. And if you don't have his heart, there's not anything I can do about it because I'm just his servant. That's all I got. If you don't like his heart, that's okay. We'll move on to the next person. But there's people out there that need to hear his heart. And I'm telling you, if you'll share the heart of God, you're going to attract people. You're going to attract people to come in. So... um, I'm going, to, I'm going to take a brief pause, maybe just carve out three minutes here for questions, comments, and answers, and then I'm going to switch to um, some practical parts about the how. What are you hearing? Um, what Do you have any questions at this point, or are you ready to shovel down the road here to the next piece? Yeah? Um, so, do you
1: think discipleship comes from
0: say the last piece does like, it, it does, does do you think it comes from
1: create community or does community create discipleship like discipling?
0: It, it, i guess i guess we're in such an imperfect world that i guess it could go either way because i'm 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 assuming there are communities that aren't making disciples and i'm assuming that maybe there's some discipleship stuff that's, that's kind of wonky that doesn't create community. I don't know because I think we're, we're probably not doing a really good job. So I think my, I think my answer to the question would be we need, to, we need to make disciples and you can't make disciples without community. So where you, where you start with that, I'm, I'm not sure. If you've, got, if you've got community, maybe you interject purpose to it. I, th- I think, yeah, I think discipleship is all about relationships, relationship with the king and relationships with people. because we got to influence them and help them become like Jesus. So they're growing in their relation this way and growing in their relationships this way. A real effective disciple is going to be successful in so many things because they're gonna, they're going to be plugged into the secrets of God and they're going to be great at relationships. They're going to have emotional competencies that are high. And the studies about intellectual quotients and IQ versus emotional um, competencies, a person who is solid emotionally is will make more money than a person who has a high IQ but is not solid emotionally or socially. Because you all know, I, I know you hate it. It's not what you know, right? It's who you know. And some of us, don't like that on the job place, right? I should get rewarded because of what I know and how good I do it. No, it's, there's a lot of relationships involved there, right? Well, I shouldn't have to. But it's, it's the way the world goes. And, and God made it that way, is we are relationally connected. Yeah, that's probably more than you wanted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah?
2: What about churches that um, uh, appear... concerned about the salvation part of it, as opposed to once we got them saved, now we need to make the disciples out of them, um, you know. Um.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think churches are, in America are all over the place. There are some people, quite frankly, that aren't concerned if they get saved either. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't think that's in our, in, hopefully not in the assemblies of God. Um, but I, I think... I think in our group of people trying to be honest and kind at the same time is that um, sometimes we know what we know. We do what we do. And so, you know, at least we're getting them saved. We just stink at getting them down the road well. And so,
2: you know, that's where the statistics are. Here's our salvations. But, you know, where's the disciples that we've made? Um, Yeah
0: but it's that that is that's why we're here that's what ohio jesus for jesus is about is trying to reset the church to to grow cuz disciples grow so um, a, you know in all levels not just numeric attendance on sunday
1: I think something to add in. Uh, I go to a lot of young adults groups and churches that do that salvation only at a certain point they don't offer that discipleship and people are leaving it to go to a church that actually is providing that discipleship. So I think if if we get that on track like with Ohio for Jesus, if we're really making disciples out of people that come into our church, a lot of them might be even leaving the churches that are all salvation and money focused because a lot of churches that are salvation focused and only do that and nothing else are really sometimes money driven. And I think Maybe here in the upcoming years, you might find more young people coming towards you for discipleship. Because, knowing from my perspective and my friends, like that's what a lot of us want is that discipleship and people speaking into our lives.
0: We need it all, yeah. Evangelists and disciple makers, yes.
3: Yeah, if I can add to that as being another young Christian, uh, I, I think like from my perspective, the biblical model is that discipleship does breed community, because Christ sends out the apostles, and they go and make disciples, and churches start popping up everywhere, all these little communities that didn't exist any, you know, prior to disciple making, and I think that when you do, like you were saying, when you do have one without the other, that's a really, like, sick, unhealthy relationship, when it's when it's just a community, I mean, yeah, people can get along and it's nice and whatever. But it's not building the kingdom, you know. It's not, um, or when it's just like, you know, you and me, like I, you become my master in, instead of Jesus, you know. Um, so when you don't have like the community, the bot, like the way that that Christ sent, you know, to send his apostles out to preach the gospel and, and to baptize, like that breeds communities. And it is an unhealthy. That's why people are, because that's why people leave churches where there is no disciple making. Because there's there's nothing to keep that community together, you know. And it's all about them. And they they haven't had the opportunity to meet Christ through other people, you know.
0: Good, Mike. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think. Agree. Yes.
4: As one of the probably oldest ones <laughs> here. And female. <laughs> um, when I saw this urgency of making the soccer when you reach my age, I see so many people dying and lost. There's so many people we can reach if we just are friendly. I mean, every time I go to the grocery store, if I go to the grocery store, no matter where I go, I kind of look around me and try to see if there's someone I can connect to. may not know them, may, not, may know them, I can see maybe a pain, I can see them, and I just ask them if they come up to me, are you pain okay today? I mean, you know, and I pray for them. But I, I agree, I think we have to care enough for the souls of others that we reach where we can reach. I can reach people you guys will never be able to reach. Because of my personal circumstances, you guys can reach people I couldn't even come closer. That's right. And and there's a there's generation after generation after generation that he's put here on earth. And if you're not dead, he's not done with you. And and you and I learned that here. I, I, I love that saying <laughs> because there's so many things that we need to be doing ourselves in support of the church. I mean, they need to help and support us and teach us. But there's so much in that Bible. And the Holy Spirit in God. And if I say to God, God, bring me somebody today, you know, it's like, wait a minute, I said one, don't bring me through. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's where it is. You've got to have the passion and urgency and desire that not anyone would be lost.
0: Amen. Amen. Good. Thank you. Thank you for your input. Um, Anybody okay with going to the... Uh, everybody okay with going to some of the how? Some, some practical things? So... Um, wh- where, do, where do I start? If, if you're talking about yourself... Um, you've got got great freedom. If you're talking about in the context of, of a church or a small group, I would say as a pastor is it's going to be easier to leave the current processes in place but add something to it because sometimes we wait till everything is right and it'll never get done. And um, and you'll probably lose the momentum of it, anyways, because because what has to happen is you have to change something to ever get there. So it's not going to get done unless you start somewhere. And it's not when you start, it's not going to be good because we're already going the wrong direction. So leave leave the stuff. Don't try to change everything. Don't don't be a crowd person. Um, you know, I've gone to prayer meetings all my life. And there were a lot of prayer meetings that I knelt down and prayed and um, turned around to look at the see 3 people there. And the rest of the prayer meeting, I complained to God that nobody was spiritual enough to come to this prayer meeting. You know, they, we had 70 people come to eat, but three came to pray. And, and I focused on the people who didn't come. And I didn't thank God for the people who were there. And discipleship, when you start, you got you got to you got to thank God for the people who were there. Start start with the willing. Um, you know, find somebody who likes you, <laughs> or or maybe who could eventually like you. You know. Don't don't make up your mind that you're going to get somebody that curses you or have nothing. You got to find a person who is who who is open and who is willing. And if you if you if you don't know who that is, then pray. Pray and ask the Lord. Lord, there's got to be somebody that you and I can get on the same page with. You know, help me, Jesus, please. Uh, Change their heart. And, and by by your Holy Spirit, you know, help me to be more attractive that Jesus would be, that, that I could at least partner with one person. So I've always learned this. I learned this in, in Cuba. Oh my gosh, as a, as, a, as a pastor and as a leader, I was coming to teach them. And they're listening to me teach and everything. And, and they're, they're talking about their prayer meetings and people getting saved and how many got saved. And in Cuba, I mean, it's pretty restrictive about preaching the gospel. And um, so I hear this guy, he's just a leader in the church and he says, he says, yeah, he says, you know, um, um, we see people saved just about every week. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's good. Somebody piped up and says, what happens if, if, um, you know, you don't see people saved every week? He says, we pray until they get saved every week. Like, a uh, duh. <laughs> so don't, so recognize that, that, that combination of prayer and truth, that's, that's the persuasion of heaven, prayer and truth, the presence of God, um, you know, pray until the, the presence of God increases. That, that, somebody who's careless about their relationship with God, if they're not willing to hear from you, then Pray. Pray and ask the Lord what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Um, But but make make sure that it's a prayerful process. Gather somebody who, who is willing and call them into intentional growth relationships. The intentional growth relationship needs to have accountability. It needs to be, you need to make sure you're communicating. We're going to grow together. And in order to grow, you, you're going to need to set some goals. So, so this week, it might just be, you know, we've been a little slack with our prayer time. So we're going to check in and make sure that we've prayed and even pray together um, every day. I'm going to text you, you text me. That may be the beginning point, wherever that might be. It may be that you get them to pray one time. I don't know what that is, but move them down the road. Um, what's it look like? Um, doesn't have to be a formal goal, but, but understand in your head, you, you want to make sure that you're going c- closer to the Lord. And then I think it's critical to talk about it, is to have reflection um, with that person. How, so you're struggling praying. Why? You can learn a lot about that. There, there might be an obstacle in the way I have people that tell me um, when we do fasting and praying and and all all night prayer vigils and things like that they they call me up and say, pastor, all I could do is worship i'm so I, I just you know I prayed for a few minutes but then i just I just worship for half an hour i'm so sorry I let you down I was like no you didn't i mean some sometimes people are very literal in their understanding of what prayer is is i would rather them worship longer than they're asking for stuff anyways because what does ephesians say is when i gaze into his face i'm transformed i probably shouldn't even ask anything until i've spent a few minutes in the presence of god asking him what he wants so um what, that reflection time two questions that are really important you can write these down i don't know that i oh it is right there by reflection it's there What's God saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? What's God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? You can ask those questions about the pastor's sermon. You can ask those questions about... I think it was Sarah House that said she she's had an issue with objects that are not moving. She keeps running into them. I think she said that this morning. You know, so what's God saying to you, Sarah? And what are you going to do about it? I don't know. I mean, every single thing that happens, I think you can ask that question and, and begin to teach that there should be some reflection. It's, God, what are you What are you saying to me? He might, he might say, I'm not saying anything right now. You know, I don't know. But, but teaching people to hear God clearly is another critical discipleship piece. I've found as a pastor, who pastors pastors at times, that people sometimes aren't comfortable with saying, I hear from God. I want, you to, I want you to hear me as a leader in the assemblies of God is I'm uncomfortable with people who are leading our churches that don't regularly, clearly hear the voice of God for direction. Is we all should be comfortable saying, I heard God say today. And maybe we don't say it that emphatically. Maybe we would say it. You know what? I really believe as I was praying that I, I just strongly sense that this is where the Lord would lead us. If that's more comfortable. But man, we, we've we got to hear the voice of God. And we've got to teach people to hear the voice of God. And and going back to community, what's the best way to correct the people who don't hear the voice of God clearly? In community that you love and say, you know, that's the craziest thing i ever heard. But But Alan, I still love you. You know? Uh, what was that? Do you have that relationship? I think with disciples, you have to have that relationship. You've got to build an intentional thing. I want my leaders in my church to be able to be teachable enough for me to say, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard you say with a smile on my face. Jesus said that. You <laughs> <laughs> not, not in a condescending, critical way, but in a loving, we're here to get this right. Yeah. So let's get this right. Okay? So a lot of times the reason people don't hear clearly is because we don't teach them to hear. We don't spend enough time. And then you shoot them down and they're like, well, I can't hear from God. Well, that's the exact opposite way you want to go. I would rather have somebody trying to hear from God and get it wrong than somebody who won't try to hear from God. You hear know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a bit of a, of, a, of a mindset and a heart. You've got to believe that Jesus wants people to move from here. To here, and here is closer to Jesus. You've got to believe that. You got to be. And the goal of it is, is, is. I know that if God's in this, they're going to make a next step. God's going to draw them. Okay. All right. So a, a basic structure that may give you some training wheels. I would love to tell you. That in the ten fifteen years that I've Prayed about, worked with people about leadership development and discipleship. That um, an organic, just you should know how to do this way, um, is the best way. I believe that with all my heart, but that's not where we're at yet. Is is in order in order for people to make disciples. They have to. They have to know. Let's take. Let's take a um, prayer. You're going to help somebody pray more like Jesus prayed. Okay. So you've got to have some information about it underneath your belt. If if you're going to model that, you need to be doing it yourself. So I need to have some knowledge, but I need to have some practical experience. But then the next step is now I got to figure out how to give them the right knowledge and provide the right practical experience, overcome their obstacles, their lack of understanding or wherever they're stuck or add the skills to their life to get them where I'm at. But then it's not doesn't start there. Then I've got to ask them to teach someone else to do the same. That level of interaction and training is a high level of competency. And oftentimes, we just aim at students. We just want to make people be a student. And, and we're not asking people to be students in, in that learning process. Um, a, a, you have a student, and then you have a teacher. We're, disciple makers are teacher trainers. They're teachers who train teachers. We're, we're not just asking people to be a follower. We're asking people to to... Be a follower who makes followers, who, who brings other people along with them, and trains those followers how to do the same. So that's a, that's a high level of competency. That's a high level. That, that's part of why it's not so easy. So the, the answer is, should this be organic? Yes. But we're so stinking behind the eight ball here that it ain't organic. Got, got, We've got to have some training wheels. And so what I'm going to present in these last few minutes is, is maybe some training wheels. Um, and how, when is this over with? Two? Two o'clock, is that right? Okay. Okay, well, I gave you about seven minutes of questions and answers, so I'll, I'll steal some time here because we're about at ten minutes away, I think. Um. So here's the training wheels. What's the. Where do you want to help the disciple go? I chose. In those goals there. Some of the key result areas. For Ohio for Jesus for church health. If that language. Is just a blur to you. Which I know some of this language. Is a blur to some of us. Is when we talk about. A healthy church. What do we want a healthy church to look like as far as um, our churches in Ohio? We want them to be saved and all in. We want them to be spirit baptized and spirit filled. We want them to be able to share their faith and invite people to Christ, invite people to church as well. And we want them to be able to make disciples. So you can use any goal you need. It may be Um, that this is a very simple, specific goal is I want, um, my group to read the gospel of John. Okay. So, um, the, the goal could be very specific. Um, but I believe as we are walking through this disciple making process, there are steps that we naturally take. The first step is what we're all really good at. Create a Sunday school class, create a small group, go to a sermon and get a lecture. Come, come to Synergy and get a lecture from me. Information. We need information, but the information should be aimed at what's going to help me get to my goal. So the end game isn't the information like a lot of times things are. We walk out with a lot of good information. The end game is Um, How am I going to use that information to get me where Jesus wants me to go? And so if I'm talking about being spirit filled, I need information from the word of God and inspiration from the word of God about being spirit filled. But then the next step is I need to look at me. I need to evaluate. Well, where do I need to grow? So where am I in, in this spirit filled spirit baptized thing? Where am I at right now? Where does the the Holy Spirit want me to be? What's it going to take for me to get there? Who's who's going to help me get there? And so these steps, as you can tell, we've talked about the importance of relationships and community, but these steps won't be successful if you don't have people in your life helping you with them. So it's as, as important as it is to know where I'm going, I need to know who's going to help me. And you say, well, is that important? It is the most important thing because that's what disciples do is disciples help other people grow. So you, you, need, you need people helping you grow and you need to help other people grow. So that, that, that question is critical because the next step, step three is, is I help others grow. So now not only am I talking about what God is doing in my life, but now I'm looking at how am I going to help others become spirit baptized, filled with the spirit? What does that even look like for you? And so you start that conversation. Um, where are you at with that? Well, I think it's weird. I, I don't know this the a the, the, the lot of times I get is people get stuck on tongues. You know, and so you can say, well, we're not dealing with that. Well, they'll never move. You better deal with it because it's an obstacle. (laughs) So that's where you might need some more information. And you may find yourself as you are discipling someone else that you need to go back to someone to help you to disciple the other person because you don't have enough information. They've asked the question. They're stuck in a place that you don't know how to get them unstuck at. So the value of having people helping you and the value of you having people hold you accountable to where you're going. And the most important thing is that you're always at least telling people where you're at. You're helping another person grow. That's so critical. You say, well, I'm not competent enough. I'm not trained enough to teach someone else. You can at least tell them what not to do, right? I mean, that's helpful. There's sometimes that if I knew not to do that, I wouldn't have done it. So, so you can always turn around and at least help somebody else um, with where God has helped you. That's step four is um, to create a mission. So, what does that look like? So, I'm in a group with with three people, and we are on this journey to be more spirit filled than we've ever been. We talk about what can we do, what can Can we create an activity, an event, a mission that we're literally not going to just talk about it, but we're going to experience a greater infilling of the Holy Spirit? That could be just as simple as going to your area um, Pentecost Sunday rally and say, we are all going to be praying and we're all going to sit together and we're all going to the altar together. We're all, we're all going to ask God to fill us up. That, that could be the simplicity of that mission. It could be, it could be we're just going to spend time right now with each other and, and ask, ask God to come, touch our lives, fill us up. So you want, you want there to be a practical outreach mission that they actually experience because then they're going to go, that was a train wreck, that didn't work. Well, that's good. Okay, not that it was a train wreck, but you understand it was a train wreck. You, at least you got someplace what What does it look like to make this more effective? Sometimes we over challenge people, and we we needed to dial back a little bit so um, so you create that mission that they can they can go on and then you and then you do it so those those five steps is what we found built the community um helped us measure as a group were we growing and um i can tell you that relationships are being forged growth is an expected thing the the group comes together and we we want to grow and and we're okay with sometimes not getting it right but but trying to share our faith even though it was a catastrophic disaster is better than not trying at all and we've got brothers and sisters that can laugh with us and help us and show us um, what that looks like so that's the really quickly slam together in 45 minutes that's the why and what we have tried to um, develop as training wheels as a structure for how so that people in our environment can maybe get on the bus with us and it wouldn't be too um, foreign for them. So questions, comments, answers, and I apologize for how quickly I went through those steps. Yes, sir. Um. I am familiar with Global University. I may not be familiar specifically with that that process. And I would say, if it's it's online information, use the information and the inspiration. But you may have to augment that with, with the reflection. Where are we at with this? How can I help someone else get this? And what does it look like? to go on a mission. I would be surprised if they have those other three steps. Because we're more used to, we're more used to just the information part and then talk about it. But you can use it. The information is that we need information. The the thing is is that we've got to move them from just saying, "Man, that was good. We learned something." and clap each other on the back and go home and we've not done anything. We got to do something. So what What's God saying to you about this, and what are you going to do about it? And when are you going to do about it? And I'm going to hold you accountable if you don't. That's, that's the extra piece. I think the other you know, part, you know, Jesus and,
2: and his disciples were out in the community. They were going from one place to another, encountering different situations, and Christ was teaching them at that point, you know. And that, you know, having a group of folks that go out and do that, to me, would, that creates disciples. You know, as, they, as long as you're teaching what Jesus.
0: Yeah, and Derek, Derek, you're so right. Because those steps don't need to be in that order. Because you could go on the mission. Because sometimes Jesus took them on a mission to find out what they didn't know. Or to awaken something in them to, to help them see they, they need to know something they don't think they need to know. Right. So, yeah, that doesn't have to be in that order. But that, great point. Yes, Ethan. I'd love for you to, man.
5: Something I think the church does, um, there's this missing thing that we haven't picked up on in culture that we think that we need to just keep on exposing people to a bunch of different topics and we call it discipleship because we're spending time going through Scripture. But what we're actually doing is we're being a worse version of Google because we're getting super abbreviated points. And the thing in the heart of the Spirit, and, and he shared it earlier, that him and his friends are all longing for you're actually longing for someone to say you're not just worth me talking to you're actually worth me sacrificing the most valuable thing I have which is my time and then giving of yourself I mean that's what Paul said right what is it I think it's 1st Thess or 2nd Thessalonians 2, 7, 8 and, and we and give you a tender money like a nursing mother, prayers for your children, we care for you so much we impart to you not only the gospel of God but our lives mm-hmm. as well and I think that if we want to see real disciples we actually have to go back to the heart of what Christianity always was supposed to be, which is a deep sacrifice of time, years' worth of investment in one person, a a constant pouring out into someone over and over and over again. And then even after they're off on their own mission, like when Timothy got sent to Ephesus, Paul still wrote him anyway. (laughs) If we don't let it die, not, yeah, I spent a year with you praise God, go for it, you're equipped. And and I think that if we get back to that core, it'll be slow. But I think it'll be slow, and then we'll have this explosion that takes place. Three, four years, we'll come back and say we have built 145 disciples this year, and all of them are discipling somebody. This is awesome. This was their graduation year. And now they're all doing this. And I think that we're we want the American speed, and we're forsaking the, the Jesus model.
0: Uh, another um, analogy or language to 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 give that to you is that we we don't honor. Fathers and mothers in the Lord, and we don't honor sons and daughters and grandsons and daughters. We just kind of people are objects. But I I love my kids, and I have found that in disciple making, I have I have kids in the Lord. I've got sons and daughters in Jesus. Ones on the mission field right now, um, because the investment, and and that's what you got to see. You got to ask for great. Timothy wasn't Paul's real son, but he was a son to Paul. And you've got to find those people who you can be a dad or a mom to and help them be like Jesus. Good job, Ethan. Yeah. Anything? We're done, but if, if there's another question, I don't see anybody breaking the door down yet. All right. I love you. Can I pray for you? Yes, yes. Father, I just I thank you that we, we've absorbed a lot today. And God, there's a domino that you can push. And I'm not sure exactly what it is for every single person. It's going to knock down a lot of things. And God, we cry out to you because we're desperate. And we're, there's an urgency in our hearts this, this this afternoon. We need to be better at this, God. Please don't leave us alone. Please come and help us. Please continue to send people to us that will wreck us and move us off of what we're used to, and get to a place where we can literally have multiple sons and daughters in the Lord. I thank you for that, Lord, because I know you want it more than I want it, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Ron, you were a repeat. Was that okay? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kinda, I kind of
1: got uh, drafted to be the leader for it when I started out, just enrolling it. And So and it, I think it's, it's good information.
0: Father, I thank you. I know he's been drafted, but we just—Ethan, would you help me, buddy? We just lay hands on Ron for his church. Like there'll be a there'll be a spirit of disciple making that 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 gift that Jesus gave the church. It would be teachers and disciple makers. Come on, him, Lord. In Jesus' name, get in his heart. We pray in Jesus' name, bless him. Amen. Amen.